Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 327 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well, uh, having a wonderful day. Uh, it has become fall here in Philly. Well, it's become fall everywhere, I guess, but... Uh, you know, I I never imagined living in the Northeast in my life, having, you know, grown up in Texas most of my life and then living in Nashville for a number of years while I was doing my internship and postdoc. But I will say, you know, this time of the year in the Northeast, oh my gosh, it is beautiful. Uh, literally yesterday, uh, we, you know, I picked our little one up from from preschool and I was like, it was 75 degrees, beautiful weather. And I, and I said, oh, let's just do a picnic. I think we called it a snack picnic or something. And so, you know, she um, usually has her snacks when she gets back home. And I was like, why don't we just go to like, there's a, a beautiful cathedral, like uh, very close to our house. And uh, I was like, why don't we just go there and just hang out and hang out and walk through the garden and have our snacks there. And that's what we did. And uh yeah, I just I'm so grateful for you know this season. I'm grateful uh, for each of you for just being listeners of this podcast. And uh, I do these episodes. You know, one of the most important things for me is I could think a lot about like legacy and hopefully doing leaving our field with with this resource that we're creating with STC, uh, leaving our field uh, in in a better state and of being service to our field. And part of that also is that. I try to be really intentional about just connecting with good people who are doing good things in the world. And that's actually what today's conversation uh, is all about. I'm joined by Anna O'Brien and Jim Pasquarella. Uh, Anna and Jim are actually local here to Philly. Uh, and Allison Purrier, uh, my dear friend from Abundance Practice Building, connected uh, me to Anna and Jim. And Allison mentioned, hey, they're creating something pretty cool. You got to like check this out. And what they're creating is called the consult list. So it addresses a problem that I think a lot of clinicians have. So if you're a clinician in private practice and you are, let's say you're full and you want to refer someone out, right? How do you do this in a systematic way? Right? You may have like a list of like colleagues and stuff, but what if they're busy or, you know, or what if they're full? Um, or, Let's say that you get a case that you're just not a good fit for uh, and you want to refer out. How do you do this in, a, in an organized way? 
Or what if you're a clinician that's just starting out and you're like, man, I know that getting referrals from other colleagues is one of the best ways to build my practice, but how do I do that in an efficient way? So Anna and Jim created the consult list and Anna is a clinician in private practice. And today we're going to hear about the story of the consult list and how you can use it uh, for your practice in order to uh, to make sure that the clients we serve get get appropriate referrals that you know we're not just kind of leaving them empty handed or we just give them a list of like here are three colleagues you know um, that you can call but then we don't know if they actually have open slots or any of those kind of things so more specifically we're gonna hear the story behind the consult list I know that so many of us are thinking a lot about like privacy and data privacy. So how does the consult list handle data privacy? Uh, and then more specifically, like uh, we have, you know, if you've been in any of these online communities for therapists, you see this um, major, lots of conversations happening around, uh, you know, like investment startups and Silicon Valley sort of big firms coming into the mental health space, creating sort of these companies and then the data that these companies are gathering are then getting sold. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff happening there. And I think a lot of clinicians are super scared. Uh, and so I, you know, I asked them, you know, how are you guys handling this uh, in, in, in terms of selling of data and stuff like that? Um, I think you're, you know, going to be very uh, surprised or maybe not surprised, but like uh, just happy with that answer. And then uh, we wrap up with, it's actually a free resource for clinicians, but, you know, I wanted to kind of pick Anna and Jim's brain on, I mean, how do you like monetize something like this, right? And uh, and uh, yeah, uh, this is a good conversation. And especially if you've been kind of figuring out or trying to figure out a way to, you know, just better refer out clients uh, and uh, and be of service to clients, I think this is a wonderful conversation. So here's my conversation with... Anna O'Brien and Jim Pasquarella. Hey, Anna and Jim, uh, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi. Hi, Melvin. Thank you. Uh, it's always fun interviewing folks that are local. Uh, Jim, you and I have talked real estate briefly <laughs> out <laughs> of the blue. And uh, Anna, uh, your dear colleague, and I'm just so grateful for what you guys are creating over at Consult List. And uh, Really excited for today's conversation because I know that a lot of clinicians are thinking about how in the world do I give quality referrals to when I'm, you know, have a full caseload. And then clinicians that need clients are often wondering, like, how do I make sure I get quality referrals from uh, from colleagues? So really excited for this conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So... I feel like anything most of us create has a backstory, right? And what's the story behind Consult List? Yeah, so I worked in a group practice uh, up through, um, I guess, about the beginning of the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit and there were changes in, in our financial structure, the family, my, my husband's, job was impacted. He works kind of along the restaurant supply field. So 
it became apparent that it was important for me to to look at leaving group practice and entering private practice for my own financial needs. So um, when I did that, it was, you know, I think often this happens in life where we ponder something and then all of a sudden it just becomes apparent like, okay, I've just got to do this. I'll never be ready, right? So um went into private practice and um, really enjoyed some of the freedoms of it and, you know, the creativity involved in starting that. Um, and because I was, you know, in the midst, and this is a familiar story to a lot of parents of, you know, trying to find quiet space to work during the pandemic and have sessions with two kids running around in the background and my husband also juggling his work. I decided to look at a quiet place that I could do telehealth sessions. And I found um, White Marsh Learning Center in Fort Washington, where we are. And it was a really neat wellness center that Jim had helped volunteer to create and helped manage. And so um, that kind of started me down the path of, of uh, looking at building community I think became an important thing that I noticed is how do I build community? And so we we looked at together taking some of the space that was empty due to the pandemic. Um, and as things were opening up, how did we want to use that? And so we, we did some shared um, therapy space and, and through that um, kind of realized we had some aligned values and missions around community and um, mental health care and helping improve the quality of life of private practice clinicians and access to mental health. And Jim, I know you you have your own part of this too, that you might want to share. Yeah. Uh, and so when we, when we started in the conversations uh, regarding access to mental health, I shared with Anna, some of our family's experience and difficulty in accessing mental health. Right. And so this this route just goes back years when uh, my mother was with us and and she was experiencing difficulty. We had the hard task of accessing care and we found it to be a very challenged experience. And so our dedication to creating this platform is is in part, at least from my perspective, driven by uh, doing this in in memory for my mom, um, who, if she were here today, would be uh, pitching into the effort and dedicating her her inexhaustible energy uh, in helping to care for people. When she was with us, she was a nurse and she, uh, she always went above and beyond to provide care. And, um, and so, you know, sometimes when you're developing a, a platform like this and you, you guys know this um, it takes a lot of, a lot of energy and a lot of hours, long days. And uh, we, we don't dare complain about it uh, because of our memory of, mom being uh, so dedicated and tireless in her efforts to care for people. Yeah. I mean, it's, you guys both have like such wonderful stories and, and I feel like when we create things like not just focused on like income, but more on like impact, I feel like long-term it's so much more sustainable. And especially I mean, you both said it so well, right? Like building anything is, we see things, we see slivers of it on social media, right? That usually the highlights, but we don't often talk about like the hard challenges. And I think building something like this, when it is, when you realize it's for someone or way beyond, way bigger than you, I think it's just, mm -hmm. it's like 
I don't know, it's such a different level of motivation. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I actually, I wanted to ask you, how did you guys connect? Cause we've never like, yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. So Jim, do you want to talk a little bit about um, your involvement with the wellness center? Cause I know that goes, you started that before I got there and um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so part of, you know, there's, there's two sides of this from, in terms of our motivation and coming together to do this project from my perspective, one being um, that, that it, it serves that purpose of, of helping people who need help. But also uh, the way that we met was because I was leveraging some past experience, professional experience in helping nonprofit uh, organizations and investment groups to make use of uh, uh, underutilized property or land or buildings. And one of those is on the the church that I'm a part of. That community had a building that um, that was lying fallow. And so we were trying to create some type of use that would be consistent with the church's mission uh, to help. And what we came across was that we could create an identity around the building that was already really happening uh, with some of the practitioners that were uh, involved in the project. And we really just put a lot of energy behind clarifying and supporting making that building serve the local community with uh, affordable access to uh, health and wellness, right? And we saw that the way we could do that was to provide below market rent space to people who would help neighbors. And so that's uh, really where we created a wellness center. And we met because Anna came in to be part of that community. Nice. Yeah. So, right. So um, it was such a neat community and you could just see there was so much potential for it. So um, since it's just been so neat to watch it evolve. So now we have gallery, a ga- art gallery there with shows evolving. There are yoga practitioners, um, mindfulness, and then through a few of the offices that are within there are what we call Be Well, private practice community, where it helps with clinicians who are um, just starting out. So, or maybe they're sizing down, but it just gives them a lot of flexibility to create their own schedule and make it affordable. So we, we kind of rallied around that and it was super exciting. And then as we started to do that, we just we were like, this is so much fun. Like, it's not just, it's not just work. It's creative. It's meeting a need. It feels good. And I think that for me, I think that, and I know Jim, you probably feel similar, like on the heels of the pandemic and all the darkness of that time, it felt so good to have somewhere to put our energy um, that was productive. And we have very different sets of skills, but similar values about how you treat people and the community. So that it became a kind of really interesting partnership. And so from that, we started looking at, I've come up with like a thousand ideas a day. Um, You can ask all my friends. Most of them don't really seem like they make much sense. But this one with the consult list really did stick. I was talking about like, what if this is a huge problem in the field and we can get into that further. But as we started to talk about the idea of um, using our our different talent to, to approach the big issue of access to mental health care and helping private practice clinicians stay in private practice and not 
um, feel fearful of getting out on their own and being able to find caseloads and also helping people like Jim's mom and you know myself and everyone that I know who has at some point tried to seek help in therapy um, and, and found that sometimes people don't call you back because they're so full, or sometimes they give you the names of three or four clinicians um, trying to help you out, but then those clinicians are also full. We really wanted to look at how do we, how do we help with this? And and that's like really kind of what got us going. Yeah. Uh, one, I feel like you guys have combined sort of a deeper calling with a real need. And uh, I know this information is available definitely on the website, but in your own words, like what exactly is the console list? Uh, and, and sort of what is, you know, what is the problem that it's solving? And maybe we can just like, you know, go a little deeper into that. Yeah, sure. So the consult list is a clinical referral tool for therapists to use. So it's therapist to therapist. It makes the referral process easier and more effective. And clinicians get to choose um, who they want to refer to. So not just sending out a referral into the internet universe, not knowing who's going to respond or where this person's going to end up. So you really have a chance to protect the privacy of the client, share minimal information, but still um, have a way to let people know what this person is seeking in terms of their the area that they'd like help with, the type of uh, insurance they have or their financial needs, um, the time of day they're available, whether they'd like telehealth. Some of these um, basic questions, you get to send it out to either your preferred network of clinicians. You can make your own list. So you could have a child therapist list. You could have a, you know, uh, a EMDR list, or if not enough, people respond, then you get to choose to send it out to the wider network of therapists. So you kind of can expand if you need to, but you have control over who sees that referral and whether or not you want to have those people automatically added to the list that the client gets or whether you would like to kind of be able to curate the list and decide who responds and who you think would be a good fit. Right. So uh, let me just make sure I understand, because sometimes I'm a little slow in processing <laughs> stuff. So, uh, uh, whenever, so I'm, I'm like imagining myself as a, a clinician and let's say that, you know, I, I'm full or maybe I've, I've got a case that maybe it's just not a good fit for whatever reason. I don't have right. the training or it's not mm-hmm. the niche that I, so I could share the information, like it sounds like basic sort of information, one that sort of values the privacy of the client. Uh, you could share that information on with the console list. And so within that list, it could go out to everybody, right? Or it could go out to like a curated one. Like, let's say you have colleagues, like based on a certain clinical orientation or a geographic area or something like that. Maybe you've, you know, met for coffee with like five folks and they're mm-hmm. all on your little list, right? Uh, right. And it just makes it much more streamlined. Is that right? Or did I, or what yeah. am I missing? Nope. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're, when you're writing in the, the information for the client, you know, you're going to say what state or what county they're in. So the list automatically knows, like, if you do choose everyone, it's the therapist within that community. It's not like getting sent to people out of the state um, who aren't licensed in that state. It's, it's more localized, 
but you really get control to like hyper localize it or choose clinicians that you know and trust because we think that that's a really important part of the referral process is that the clinician feel comfortable with whom they're sending the um, referral and and not just kind of you know you don't know where it's going right yeah so i think the big thing i sort of hear is i mean i you know i have a facebook community and i run into this all the time which is a colleague will post hey i'm looking for a referral for so and so you know and in this area so one like completely bypasses the need for something like that. And not to mention like all of the privacy issues that come with posting on Facebook groups. Uh, we try to do a really good job of deleting posts like that, but right. but it addresses that underlying thing, which is a clinician is struggling and wants to send out good referrals. So there's the clinician side, right? So the clinician creates a profile. Is there any interaction with the client and all like do clients create profiles i'm kind of curious about that as well yeah no so this is an inner clinician tool mm. the interaction and jim can speak more of this because he's been on the programming side of it more but um the the side of it that the prospective client will interact with is the list mm. so um you can choose there are a couple ways you can do it you can kind of Keep an eye out, sign back onto the consult list after you've sent the request out in the next couple of days. And uh, there's an option to just automatically kind of cut and paste that to um, a notepad. So you can email the list if you'd like, or you can call the person back. Or if you want to make it super fast and kind of like a one call and done situation, so you're not spending hours chasing down referrals with the client's prospective client's consent you can send them a text message that has, or the consult list um, actually will send it so they don't have your phone number. Um, but the consult list can send them a text message that has a link and then they can just go on in their own free time and see the growing list and make their own choice about based on the the character um, characteristics and the bios listed on the list. They can make their own choice of who they think is the best fit for them. But they aren't, signed on to the consult list or anything like that. They're just using it to access their list. Right. And it sounds like that link kind of updates in real time, right? Is that It, it that does. It? Yeah. So as people get added, they can check back. So we, we mentioned, you know, in the, in the text, um, be sure to check back over the next few days and also make sure that you're calling someone soon as well, because if someone offers a consultation on a Monday, and then the prospective client waits two weeks to call, they, that clinician may not have space available anymore. Great. We thought it was important to make sure that through this process that the client remained in control, right? Mm -hmm. So their information is never shared with other clinicians who raise their hand to offer that consultation. They get to choose who they reach out to and to identify themselves. Yeah, that's great. So Jim, like what you just shared, uh, so going back to that example of like Facebook community posts, right? This is, I think, a big kind of issue, which is a clinician, I think, in an attempt to help will share, like overshare information, right? So what exactly is being shared on the consult list in terms of, you know, like what, what a prospective clinician would have access to? Right. So uh, the, the first of all, the cases are entered 
by the clinicians in such a way that it really limits the amount of detail that we seek to describe the case. Mm -hmm. So we've worked with a committee of and team of advisors and experts in clinical matters and the law to really uh, make sure that we limit that information, which is deemed pertinent to making an effective referral. And safety is at the center of, of that, of that uh, concern. And so, um, so the types of information that's shared, and Anna, chime in if I'm missing any, but it really seeks to describe the type of care that would be effective from the mm-hmm. referring clinician, uh, their opinion. Right. right, so they've had direct con- they've had direct conversation and interaction with that person who's seeking help, and so from that, right, they formed something of an opinion about the type of care that would be might be a, most likely to be effective, and they can describe that in somewhat clinical terms, right? So the types of things that are shared about a specific uh, concern would be uh, uh, geared towards what their focus area, their focus area of work to be done. And we uh, have an exhaustive list of, and it's growing every day based on the feedback of our users uh, and clinicians who are on the system. And they're telling us more or less what what's missing right and we're okay. we're working with our advisors to uh to to evaluate those suggestions and, and incorporate those focus areas uh other things might be the type of uh, approach that might be sought uh the type uh, some attributes about the therapist and their practice and their specialization that the referring clinician believes might be applicable to be considered uh, and so what the what the referring clinician on the system is doing, having had the interaction with the client and helping that person find the appropriate care, is they're they're describing enough so that the receiving clinician, those who would serve up a consultation offer, can evaluate right whether they have the right skills that would be appropriate for the care. Um, in addition to the focus area, in addition to those preferences, uh, then we're also describing some basic demographic aspects about the person as might be relevant to their care. So what does that look like? Maybe age category, not age specifically, but are they senior? Is it an adolescent? Is that elementary age child? Is that is that person, how, how do they identify uh, with gender or uh, sexuality? And then also some aspects about their geography so that we can make sure that there's an appropriate licensure aspect. So that's where sort of the logic tree from a programming perspective is somewhat unique because if somebody says that they're open to telehealth and in-person, they might have a preference towards one or the other. But essentially what that's telling the system is if somebody's in, I'm in Philadelphia, right? Melvin, Anna, we're in Philadelphia in the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. region. If somebody's in the wrong side of the state, which is to say Pittsburgh, they can still provide effective care for a Philadelphia. And, you know, even if football disputes might pop up or what have you. Um, but but uh, but yeah, so so the system is is kind of we, we say smart enough to distinguish what which of those geographic attributes of the client are relevant. Um, if it's in person only, then then the you know the county and 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 the like is important in terms of providing context that there's some convenience. Anna and yeah, um, one thing actually, a couple of things. I you may have mentioned this, but just in case, it's drop downs. Uh, the list is just drop down, so it, there aren't all these text boxes where people could accidentally 
uh, provide too much information where the person could be identified. There's this, there's a small area where we ask for um, the area, like, so kind of creating a triangle of towns within a county where they may be willing to drive, but it doesn't identify the, the, the specific area that the client is in. So that helps. And it's um, more about where the privacy. And I was going to add that, that, that mm-hmm. triangle is more about where it's convenient for the therapist to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, I mean, you're spot on Jim. And also, I think one of the things is there, are, it's, as you mentioned, the Pittsburgh, Philadelphia thing, one of the ways that which I really is a joke, by the way, we don't affected. want Melvin. I'm sorry, yeah. I just wanted to add it's a joke. So uh, yeah. Mel- Melvin let's not alienate the people from that's Pittsburgh. That's right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're certainly welcome as well. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to add controversy because I'm a Cowboys fan living in uh, Philadelphia, oh. so, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, really, some of the more rural areas where it can be hard to find a clinician, or sometimes you hear there's like one or two therapists for everyone in their town and it creates an issue in terms of privacy and running into someone at the grocery store. So it allows us to kind of open that up and help people in more rural areas get care. Uh, I see that as one of the big um, impacts of being able to reach other people licensed in this. Yeah, that's great. Um, Just shifting a little bit. So Mm -hmm. my understanding is it's free for clinicians to sign up, right? Yeah. I feel like, again, I generally tend to be an optimist, but I feel like I just want to ask this question. Uh, what's the catch? <laughs> like, you know, what's the catch? Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you oh. monetize something, right? Because clearly, nothing's like, to build, free. Right? Yeah. To build <laughs> something like this, to maintain it, yeah. right? to have servers, like all of this stuff, like, takes money, right? It takes costs. Totally. So, yeah. Like, how do you monetize this? And, and is there sort of a catch? Like, how are you guys thinking about this? We really believe in this and we think that, um, you know, we, we do feel like we deliver a lot of value. So there is a premium membership that you can pay for that has some extra bells and whistles, like unlimited texts, um, to clients that really saves a ton of time. And there's some other features that are really exciting there too. We can talk about later, but, um, yeah, the, the core features, essential features are free and they're, they're going to stay that way. Um, because we just believe that this is the mission. We believe that enough people will help us sustain our business by supporting us with a with a premium membership, but that's their choice. They're never pressured to do that. And if the essentials features works well for them, it's great. And it just feels good to help. So Jim, if you want to add anything in to No, yeah, exactly. It, that that is that is uh that is true. And the uh we also we also are aware that there are a lot of that there are a lot of incumbent uh, stakeholders, right, who are very interested in making sure that access to mental health care is as open and as accessible and easy uh, for people to access that care that they need, right? And so we are uh, we are encouraged by interest from groups who would seek to uh, to introduce the consult list to assist their local communities. And provide this as a resource uh, to those who who can use it to help people get better access to mental health care. And so uh, we're having conversations weekly with with uh, large organizations who have uh, ample resources, and they're really looking for innovative tools that they can bring into their community. Uh, and 
and um, and we believe that uh, that we've created a system that can help them to provide their local cl- clinicians uh, in cities across America with with that with the tool that delivers on that promise. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, our time is like flying by, but I, I did have like sort of this uh-huh. final question for you guys, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I feel like especially. In, during this pandemic, I feel like there are a lot of companies um, in entering the world of mental health, right? And there's, mm. I know that a lot of clinicians have real concerns about like selling of data, oh, yeah. privacy, all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of therapists are really scared about this. Like, how are you guys like thinking totally. about that? How are you handling it? Do you sell data? Like, what's the no. So yeah, that's part of our promise and it's front and center. Um, we do not sell de- data. Um, as a clinician myself, I, I think it's really disgusting what's happening. Um, and this came, uh, this idea came actually from looking at the problem that's happening right now um, in kind of Silicon Valley and entering into the the mental health area and and really valuing profit over the care of um, people. So this is a, hoping to be a solution to that and saying, hey, we can like let clinicians in private practice m- make their own choices, right, about how they offer um, referrals. And we're going to hopefully help people from getting frustrated and then turning over to some of these more subscription online services that may at times kind of water down the therapeutic process. So yeah, this is kind of hopefully like an antidote to that. And yeah, we don't sell data of clients or therapists. Um, We have an inner clinician directory so that you can see who else is in your area and whom you might like to refer, but that is not sold or or it's not even shown. So it's not capable for someone outside the system to come along and like scrape the data and add it. And it's against our terms of service to use the site in that way as well. Awesome. Uh, Jim, anything else to add on, on that front at all? We've, we've done the best we can to make sure that we put all of this information front and center on our website. Um, so if we, we hope that those uh, who are engaged in the care of their communities with mental health value privacy and they want to they do a deep dive on any solution they're going to make, uh, th- that they're going to use in their practice. And so we've put all that information on our page front and center. It's not buried in links. You'll find it. Um, and it contains our promise to, to never sell data and, um, and to protect uh, the limited data that we do collect. Awesome. Uh, Anna, Jim, I'm so thankful for both of you. I'm thankful for, uh, you know, getting to connect and, uh, our friendship, uh, where can we learn more about, about the consult list and, uh, the awesome work you guys are doing in the world? Yeah. So the consultlist.com is a great place to go. You can sign up for free. You can invite the people who you trust to join your network. And also if you're interested in helping us spread the word, we're really, this is a grassroots effort. So we're really relying on local therapists and our community to help get this out. We don't have like this huge venture capitalist funding behind us to help us push this. This is us. So um, if you'd like to get involved, we're trying to make it fun and and kind of like a big team experience of of having a, a local ambassadors who can kind of help us spread the word. And you can find more about that, find out more about that at 
theconsultlist.com forward slash ambassadors um, if you if you're interested. Awesome. Uh, thank you both for uh, for just this great conversation and uh, can't wait to see how the console list continues to grow. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, thank you. You too, thanks, Melvin. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anna and Jim. And uh, especially if you've been trying to figure out just a better way to refer out clients, I definitely encourage you to check out the console list. Um, I'm actually an affiliate for them. Uh, when I sort of partner with any sort of companies, I think you guys know this, I try to do a lot of lot of research and do my diligence, and uh, I really believe in what they're doing. And so if you want to support STC, uh, you can feel free to sign up for the console list at sellingthecouch.com forward slash consult list, sellingthecouch.com forward slash consult list. You know, after our conversation was over, one of the things that um, I asked Anna and Jim was, uh, in terms of like actual client safety and, you know, making sure like data privacy and all of those things, do you guys have like a system or protocol in place? And they were so gracious to like share this information. I wanted to um, just mention it here. So they implemented something called a SAFER, um, like the acronym SAFER. So S is secure systems with compliant architecture. Uh, A is authorization from clients, giving informed consent anytime we interact directly and they get to choose who to contact. F is fewest possible details are collected about clients. So it's all drop-down menus that describe the kind of care that is likely needed. The cases are shown to the smallest uh, need a n- number of clinicians to get the job done. E is for everyone on the network is verified. So only clinicians with verified credentials are allowed to view cases. And R is a referral ethics committee that's composed of masters and doctoral level therapists, ethics experts, and clinicians who have dedicated their career to helping marginalized populations. So basically, when they make decisions about the referral process and privacy, they're actually seeking the guidance and knowledge of these experts. And then they also have uh, a board of advisors who are trusted experts in clinical and ethical considerations of mental health, and uh, they've worked with uh, legal experts as well. So just wanted to you know point that out uh, as well, um, just in case you know you still had some questions about uh, data privacy. So I don't know that I have anything much to share. I think you know uh, when I was doing clinical work, um, I wish this was a resource that was available um, because. One, I think it would have been really beneficial in order to make sure I was getting good quality clients from trusted colleagues. And then any time that I was referring out, uh, I wished to have something like this because, I mean, there were definitely times where I, you know, I had a list of, you know, colleagues that I connected with, but I had no idea what their existing schedule was. I had no idea that they were, you know, they were full or not. And, uh, you know, sometimes I was able to get around to like calling them. I tried to do as much as I can just to make sure they had space. But, uh, a lot of times like it was, yeah, I just, I just wasn't able to do it in the way that I wanted. And so I think something like the consult list, uh, is so helpful because I know that this is something that a lot of us run into. We want to send out really good. We want to give potential clients, maybe clients who are, um, you know, if we have a wait list or maybe not a good fit, we want to send them out good referrals. And then 
if you're a clinician, obviously, that's getting started or needs clients for their practice, you want to make sure you're uh, you're getting clients that are good fits according to the training that you have. All right. Uh, have a great rest of your day, and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.